Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. This is one of those um, episodes and interviews that um, I we're cut, we're going to conduct it. We we're conducting it, but it's one that I love to go back and listen to myself because there's just such depth. So as I as I sit here and as we talk tonight, mm-hmm. um, I have even though it is um, evening our time, I've got my coffee as we talk about. Um, I've got my tea. <laughs> yeah, interviewing interviewing Malcolm Shepard from Green Ronin. Um, yeah. Third time on the show with us. Um, mm-hmm. And this episode, we're going to cover, um, and it's actually... It's a it two-parter. Such, it's a it's, two-parter we, because we cover it's such a good lot. I mean, we yeah. always go along with, with Malcolm, right? There's always something to talk about. Um, yeah. and, but but as, as you know, you all out there will hear that we we kind of pivoted midpoint in the conversation okay we probably pivoted a whole bunch of times but we really pivoted midpoint because there were a number of things on your mind and my mind and and we really wanted to pick malcolm's brain and and it's funny because he's the one who actually you'll hear us talk about the fact that he had um he had um someone coming over to watch Picard after (laughs) the interview. So we all got talking before you even hit record. And he's the one that finally said, okay, we should probably hit record at some point. Um, And we probably missed a good five to 10 minutes of good content just by us getting into it. Because we're we're comfortable chatting with each other after the third time. And and so we went right into it. And there's yep. all sorts of good material that we'll probably have to loop back around to. Oh, and um, and and we would have gone longer. I mean, this could have easily been a three-parter. But again, yeah. like you said, we uh, and you'll hear this next episode. We were mm. being diligent to get the man back to Star Trek, um, which is funny because I think, I mean, we we're not going to talk about Star Trek, believe it or not, at least at all at all in this episode at least until the jam corner. But like with, with Malcolm, we, we've never really talked Trek. It's just, mm-hmm. he's like, Hey guys, I've got a timeline. And then like, yeah, I mean, we just, we well, just and, got it. And there's, yeah. there's so much to talk about you and I oh, man. Mm-hmm. played our first, um, really we're, we're kind of test running modern, uh, age. the modern age mechanic. Yeah. yeah. In context of a campaign that we are working on. Um, I printed out, we both have the, the modern age core book. Yep. I printed out the quick starts for the expanse, which is based off yep, the ditto. age mm-hmm. mechanic. Mm-hmm. I also printed out, I don't even think I even told you this, but I printed out the ones for um, dragon age and the expanse as well. Um, nice. Just because I wanted to see, cause the mechanics so interesting. I wanted to see how they handle stunts and other things mm-hmm. um, in the other games. And let's be honest, dragon age and fantasy age, um, yeah. Dragon Age was before Fantasy Age. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you can see the maturity and the morph and the and as right. the mechanic ages. Right. And you'll hear him talk about that mm-hmm. in context mm-hmm. with Fantasy Age Second Edition. There, you know, he talks about things they learned. Yeah. From other games and how it was ready for yep. a new edition. And yep. and thanks to many thanks to to. Troy Hewitt at Green Ronin for getting us some content and getting us some PDF copies. Of content. Yeah, thank you very much, Troy. Yeah, that really helped us to get into. It. I mean, you and I, Brad, have been talking, obviously, a lot offline, but as well as on on Dice and Mind regarding our interest in modern age. That's where we are these days, and we've been we've been jonesing to play. And like you said, we have a bit. We will more. We will more. Yeah. Um, and and as we were getting into it, you know. After that, after that initial session, I know, and we'll talk about this a bit with with Malcolm in a moment. But I started reflecting on, okay, what what was the experience like? What what seemed to work for us? What what didn't? Um, like, um, well, I'll I'll save it for the interview. But I guess I'll just summarize my bit here by by thanking Malcolm again. He's he's become a true friend of the podcast. We've we've had many many people uh 
these past almost two years. More yeah. on that in the coming in the coming uh, weeks. But we've had many people uh, be very kind, very giving of their time. Lovely people, fascinating people, really interesting creatives. But there have been just a few people who really feel like true friends. Where it's like, hey, what do you guys need? And uh, and Malcolm, and you know, to an extent, without question, Troy as well. Um, so we are we are grateful and and really delighted that we are uh, in Green Ronin's corner because man, they just they just they're a neat bunch of people and they put out obviously some of the best gaming oh, products. Great, pro- out great there. products, and I'm and I'm I'm excited to see Fantasy Age two. Um, and we'll talk. Yes. I have I have some commentary on that, but let's let's go to the interview first after, and I'll talk about that when we are in the GM corner. So. That sounds um, because like he, plan. yeah, because he gives he gives some good insight into what they're doing with second edition. All right, let's go over there. Green Ronin developer at large, Malcolm Shepard, has over twenty years of experience in the RPG industry as a writer, designer, and developer, starting with work on the Mage, the Ascension line for White Wolf. His other credits include work on Exalted, Shadowrun, Scion, Vampire the Masquerade, numerous Chronicles of Darkness titles, Blue Rose, and Fantasy Age. Now at Green Ronin, his work focuses on the modern age RPG, along with other age system works, though he's also developed Orc, the role-playing game, and performed writing and editing duties for the Sword Chronicle RPG. Malcolm lives in Ontario, Canada, and coaches historical fencing, rapiers, and longswords and such on the side. We just hit the record button because we started talking and then we realized that if we didn't hit record, um, we would have kept talking and missed probably an episode and a half worth of material. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we were last talking. So Malcolm, thanks again. You are... So much. Yeah. yeah, you are. You, the smoking jacket is on the way as a as a three time well, guest. Well, <laughs> the show. No, no, he's got to so, make it to five. Is it five? That's our criterion. That's how we get him back. Okay, but well, I mean, Malcolm, you've been you've been you've been so kind to spend so much time with us these past couple of years, and and we can tell you know us a bit now because you were the one who's like, you guys have to start recording. <laughs> which which is a yeah, sign. Yeah, we were just talking to all this stuff. This banter would be really great if other people if we have recorded it. Yeah. Right. Well, and you have we have we have deadlines because there are yeah, shows yeah. to be watched this evening. That's we were right. just getting into the the green vapor sex ghost from Star Trek and the Next Generation of Yore. Yeah. Thank you so um, much for adding Star Trek and not just letting that hang there on its own. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love I I love Star Trek so much and one of my one of my disappointments as a uh as a writer game designer is I've never worked on that license. Right. Oh. Even when the guy who uh who got me into the industry, um Jesse Hainig, like uh he was the the lead for the uh for Decipher's Star Trek RPG. Yeah. But we never managed to make it work. He did, however, give me a D6 with Klingon numerals on it, which is useless, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair, but that's cool. Yes. Um, Yeah, so a a kapla to Jesse Hennig, who actually uh, (laughs) works on, I think he is... uh, yeah, he is a narrative bigwig at Cryptic working on Star Trek Online now. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and he's a I'm great a... guy. I'm just going to like waste your time praising him. He got me he got me into the industry um, oh, wow. way back in the late 90s um through like a long series of communications through Usenet. That's how long. Oh, yeah. no, no. Wow. Yeah, we, we hear you. Um yeah. oh yeah, and uh and we started corresponding and uh and he believed in me and he kept giving me assignments and that's it's because of him that, that that's great uh, Malcolm. that i have that role and i try you know and that kind of mentorship is so important i just want to yeah. say um i know there's been i know inside the industry right now um i think we've been kind of hurting for people who can do the volume of writing within the time necessary and and getting into that it does require some mentorship it does require a sense 
of of what is generally expected and and i think as a community what we have to do is certainly be mindful of that and also widen who we're going to talk to because of course you know gaming uh has been predom you know has been dominated by the faces of people like me for mm -hmm. a very long mm -hmm. time and if we don't you know and it's not just a matter of of hiring for diversity it's also a matter of of sharing that knowledge broadly yeah. right yeah. so that people can take advantage of, of expanded opportunities anyway yeah. no that's that's lovely that's yeah. that's outstanding yeah. i think no i think and that you that's an important point too i think you know we can tell just based off of living in other communities based off of interest the gaming community is mm -hmm. it's becoming much more diverse yeah and mm -hmm. It is much yeah. more of an open community. Mm -hmm. um, still has ways to go, but it's so much further ahead than. Yeah. Oh, uh, and and in just I mean, in just recent years, talk about a vanguard. And when you say diversity, I mean we're not talking something real simple or monolithic. We're we're, we're not talking binaries. I mean, there's we're seeing all kinds of diversity in every imaginable way. Mm -hmm. to, more and more, way out ahead of where the rest of society is and ought to be. Oh, I don't even know how to approach that because things are so different based on where you live sure. and what your community is. And um, yeah, but the thing is, is, you know, we have common political engagement we have to make mm -hmm. where we can't let communities and people be stranded in these like cul-de-sacs of bigotry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. that's a, it's a much bigger topic than gaming, but it certainly mm -hmm. applies to gaming. And it certainly applies to some of the resistance, I think, um, that we've seen to to a few different things. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly there's been resistance to more diversity in in creativity in who's doing the work, um, but also in, you know, in what's being talked about. Like one of the things that was great working with Cthulhu Awakens, for example, is, um, you know, it it is certainly a basic moral requirement to to do your best um, to have a diverse creative team. Um, and it's not something that should be, it's not something that should really be praiseworthy in of itself, eh? Um, yeah, right? Because, exactly. it's, because it's obligatory. Exactly. Mm. But at the same time, you know, um, certainly a lot of the material in the setting, because one of the distinctive things with Blue Awakens is that we treat the mythos as as a specific game setting, right? Mm -hmm. With a timeline and events and organizations and things mm -hmm. that are interactable, interactable that can be interacted with um, mm -hmm. across time, and you know that involves everybody in the setting, right? And there are many things that I would never think about. Like uh, one of our authors came up with the idea of Misty Valley Junior College, which is uh, in our Arkham is a uh, is an institution that is uh, that was founded using the uh, HBCU model, historically nice. model, right? Oh, that's mm -hmm. cool. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, which I never would have thought of because I'm a white guy and I'm a white guy who lives in Canada where, uh, right. you know, we don't have that. <laughs> Um, that kind of tradition, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not to say that we don't have extremely similar social pressures and problems, right? Right. It's just that, like, there's there isn't that historical arc, right? That um, that could be drawn on. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things like that, right? That make that make our worlds more real, right? Because yeah. Yeah. reality includes more people than just us, you mm -hmm. know. Or just the people, you know, who look like you, who look like you, act like you. Yeah. So it's, I think, I think we have to, you know, this is going to sound pretentious. I think we have to get away from the notion that we're doing anybody a favor. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, because there are, seems to be that kind of vibe and a lot of the time and, and get more into the idea that like, this is good this is selfish good practice, right? Yes. Um, right. It's what we want because we get better stuff out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I certainly mm -hmm. think that's, 
that is going to that's the case with Cthulhu Awakens. Um, as I told you before the show, uh, I'm not really involved with any of the fifth season stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, aside from maybe some little bits and bobs of design um, yeah. that have sort of leaked through uh, some of the various age things we've done. Uh, but, you know, that is something that is certainly baked in to that as well, right? It is right. obligatory and necessary to get the to bring out the setting to give it its you know mm-hmm. um maximally faithful uh three-dimensional rendition mm-hmm. i also though i see i see a great deal of that again i'm looking with the lens but uh, of my own but i see a great deal of that in the material for the expanse rpg yeah. to a lesser extent but nonetheless still very present in modern age mm-hmm. I, I mean it's it's I, I i think in that regard green ronin certainly doesn't go around tooting its horn on some of these things like some other companies. And we've actually, we've talked about this with you in the past, but at the same time, I think it's clearly there in the material and increasingly so, especially in contradistinction to some others. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, actually. I, uh, one thing that makes me very sad when I think about modern age is, is one person who is very integral to, uh, modern age was a very important uh, Mexican uh, RPG designer um, Alex uh, Melkor and he was fantastic he was just fantastic and he uh, he passed away suddenly a few years ago Hmm. Um, the last thing that he worked on with us was threefold Um, but he was with us for the modern age core book and pretty much um, everything up to that point Mm-hmm. fantastic game designer mm. just fantastic and but i think because of you know because of where he was from he when he passed he didn't really get the note it didn't get the notice that mm. uh that it has when when it's happened to um you know to other figures in the industry mm-hmm. and uh i miss him yeah but his dna you said just based off of what you're saying because obviously his dna is in the game yes yes he worked on a lot of very fundamental systems um to modern age specifically uh uh, talents um the a lot of the variations in the core game engine Mm -hmm. uh large numbers like probably the majority of stuff with that and rules options in the modern age companion um the uh, chapter on modifying adversaries in um, enemies and allies mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff wow. um a bunch of stuff that was very the tone was his tone he really knew how to present things to support a way of doing things, right? He also worked on a lot. He worked on the GMing section in mm. about oh. half the GMing section in Modern Age. Wow! But he had a good way of making you feel enthusiastic in a way where you felt you were the one being enthusiastic mm. and you weren't being pushed, right? Yeah. Uh, he had a very subtle style that uh, that made you want to do things, but you know, made you think it was your idea which is the best way (laughs) to do it. Those are the creative people that that I've, I've Mm -hmm. seen, I've seen that with other people. They don't necessarily, they never will get the credit they deserve, Mm -hmm. but their credit is in the people like you who continue to do that work Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and treat others fairly. Like, you know what I mean? So, well, um, you know, um, everybody tries their best. mm -hmm. Well, if they're good, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, um, I was going to mention too because there were two things I wanted. I wanted to get. I wanted to talk a bit about Fantasy Age and then a little bit about um, a lot of the open license discussions we're having. But I just wanted to mention. So Jason and I. Have been, yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, yeah we've been. We've just. We decided to use. We mentioned this to 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 Troy, who's mm-hmm. with Green Ronin. That we're writing. We're writing now. I'm air quoting a lot of this for those that are not able to see, which is everybody listening. Um, Writing is a very strong word. As someone who writes a lot, I would say we are playing and fumbling our way 
through a moon-based world using oh, the so modern cool. yeah thanks it's it's something that's been on my mind since high school which is sad i you know it's i don't know if it's it, not sad well thank you that's, that's you you brought up usenet what am i saying yeah yeah it's the it's the like no no moon related stuff is actually like there's uh like some of the very first like big fantasy works like things that have sometimes been cited as the first works of science fiction yeah. They have to do with going to the moon. Yeah, right. right. Um, you know, and it is one of those things where, you know, uh, we kind of lost a hold of that tradition once we knew what was on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, but I, I, uh, I have wanted to play. I've wanted to play. You pulled out. You pulled yeah. out notes. I, I had from wanted, 1993. Oh, yeah, I did. I wanted to yeah. play in Ben Bova's Welcome to Moonbase since that oh, yeah. book was new, and, oh um, and in fact, I found. I still have my copy. I found a second copy at a used book sale for a since buck. Since the Ben Bova book was new, my God. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm saying. This is, um, I mean, most of the Bova books I've not all, most of them I read while they were new, which yeah. fortunately you could still do up until just what a few years ago. But anyways, we've been playing with modern age, and um, and we have become, I think, increasingly enamored with the mechanics, and um, and I'm really taken by the cleverness of the stunt system. Um, granted, we did it wrong. When Brad and I were playing the other day, but still, yeah. <laughs> just the learning curve around it and and starting to get a feel for how this works. Also, we discovered that playing gritty gets a lot of butts kicked. Basically, mine. Yeah. But still, I, yeah. I was not prepared for that. Actually, I think we're gonna we've got to switch it to cinematic. It's but people, pe no, uh, I okay. So yeah, um, yeah. Speak. I play uh, I play Modern Age regularly. I don't actually for the past two years. I haven't been running it. I've been playing in, nice. in games other people have been running. Um, you know, I did a year of a threefold campaign uh, run by by a friend of mine, and now we're doing a cyberpunk fantasy game. And in both of those, we're doing it in pulpy. And okay, we okay. tend to find, I, I, you know, while there are pros and cons of each and every mode, we tend yep. to find that pulpy is is the one that is is the right speed for most of the games that we do. Okay. But okay. yeah, gritty is like gritty is for when you really you really want to have one combat per adventure. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, but this is this is encouraging because yeah. like Brad, Brad, you and I have texted a little bit about this, but our when we when we started playing, I walked away from the first uh, first session, and it's like okay, I love a lot of this, but. It just wasn't sitting right with me. Like, like my character. Granted, my character, I just, I, I my character was not opt is not optimized for the adventure we chose. But, mm -hmm. but still, it's like this is so hard, and I didn't expect it to be quite this this different success wise from other mechanics. And then when I started realizing, wait. We chose the gritty approach, and this is this might not be the right mode for what we're designing. So mm -hmm. your your feedback about pulpy, maybe that's what we need to check out to find yeah. a balance. Yeah. But I found I what I have found in and Jason and I are learning games as we go as we do yeah. this. And, you yeah. know, and we've changed the schedule of the podcast just so we have more time. Yeah. I found the way the modern age guide was written, oh. the way that the quick start was written, and oh even I used material from the expanse, not the threefold. The yeah. uh, not threefold modern age, but the expanse quick start. It made it very fast. Oh yeah, to get up and moving on yeah. a game. It it there was not I'm so using, readable. I'm using oh. nerdy. I'm using business term. There was not a lot of overhead. Yeah, in terms of getting the. I'll tell you my secret. I hate session zero. <laughs> I hate 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 session zero. Funny. I hate the rise of session zero as obligatory. Uh -huh. um, because I see so many games fail at session zero, uh. right? Um, they fail or they turn into really kind of chatty metagaming that eventually peters right. out or things like that. I want to play as soon as we decide to play. We make characters and then we go, right? Yeah. That's what I want. 
So, I mean, I don't always get that wish. Usually I don't get that wish. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but I like it. I like it so that that stuff can just get done. Right. And, and the same with advancement and stuff like that. I like it to be very painless. Right. And I love the dividends that being annoyed with that has paid because, Um, I know for our modern age game, usually when we have character improvements and things yeah. uh, to do, like when everybody levels, right? It's it's never going to take more than half of of our one of our three hour sessions, right? Wow, we do three hours, right? Well, well, well that, uh, so, but that's a fast level. Yeah, so you know we hem and haw about it, but as long as everybody has the book in front of them, right? Right. Well, we have like that is the beauty of having levels, right? Mm-hmm. People are very disoriented at times with the idea of having a game that can have a realistic kind of um, mode and gritty, but also has levels. Yeah, Um, I was a little surprised at that. But okay, so the way levels, the function that levels have is they make you um, develop your character in a balanced way, right? Right, right. Because you can't do two things in a row, um, level by level uh in a bunch of ways and like you can't do two ability increases in a row right right um and you get a specific package of stuff right you get an ability increase you get an ability advancement a talent advancement sometimes you get a specialization advancement right so because you get that stuff right there isn't the like you know um i'm a master of the sword but you know i can't talk to people Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you get in in the more point based approach. And I think people have kind of come to associate realism with I can develop my character in any way I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but how many of us have that kind of control over our lives? Like, I know we're fans <laughs> and we play RPGs, but still, you know, yeah, we have there, you know. Yeah. You have to compel there's a certain degree where it's useful to compel the player yeah. to make uh to use a variety of choices, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um you don't want to make it too strong because you do want people to be able to reach their goals. Um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you, you kind of want to do that. And packaging it level by level is just the easiest way and to do it, right? You great. gain a level, yeah. you gain all of these advancements. Diverse uh diverse set of choices is required. Yeah. Yeah. And then you move on to the next, right? So, uh-huh. but I think people are so used to it, meaning that my hero is even more heroic because of right. Dungeons and Dragons and because of right. fantasy games in that tradition, including, yeah. you know, including Fantasy Age, in fact. Yeah, I uh, will I will say that it's it was by far, by far the, the fastest character generation yes. I have experienced in any game. I mean, Brad, you and I sat down and and literally it took me like two weeks to come up with the name for my pc and that was after regenerated the character that was on me but the the generation of that character i had that sheet filled i mean that was just boom 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 and that just, was just picking up the, the book for the first time and going through it yeah i was just gonna yeah. say there wasn't yeah. no there prep. wasn't any prep before no. it was literally well, that is, uh, a yeah. lot of that is on steve kenson um mm-hmm. because he uh he worked on that chapter and Yes, the way he broke down background and profession um, yeah. was just fantastic. And, yeah, really you know, slick. there's a decent selection that is broad, but not too, not so broad yeah. that you have decision paralysis. Right. right, right. So we were very lucky to kind of have it balanced in that way. And of course, at the same time, while we were doing that, we were prototyping the expanse, right? Um, um, because the modern age system uh kind of also acted as our you know test bed mm-hmm. for a lot mm-hmm. of the things that go into the expanse mm-hmm. which of course steve helmed so mm-hmm. there was that kind of synergy where he got to bring all yeah. of that stuff and perhaps he had some notions that he was thinking of for the expanse yeah. coming into modern age so yeah. it all kind of works together that way um yeah. in-house if if we thematically go back in time um, what if anything can you tell us about Fantasy Age? Because there's an update coming to well, that. Well, I was oh, just wait. gonna. Oh. I was just gonna say, you know, as we move over. Yeah. What was what was the what was the the, 
thought process behind doing Fantasy Age 2? Um, mm-hmm. Well, second edition. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there. We knew we needed to do one um, because, you know, because Fantasy Age was getting a little long in the tooth and beyond the natural desire to have a current version of a game so that people will buy it. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> we've all, you know, we also went through developing, you know, several other age-based games, right? And, you know, we had lessons that we learned from long-term play of Fantasy Age, and we had all these new systems um, yeah. and all these variations on systems, right? So it just became, it was the right uh, mm-hmm. It was the right time to start. Unfortunately, the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of that in stories yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that kind of went through it. And of course, uh, you know, a few other things happened. But now we are so close. Oh, um, just uh, just lining up the, the remaining bells and whistles. And there are so many new things i did quite a bit of uh of design and development work on the game neat um you know under um owen casey stevens uh and then ian lemke uh and of course you know chris uh premis who is the you know creator of the age system uh he was always in there with well this was the intention of this system and a lot of the time I have a tendency to overcomplicate things a little. Um, so he helped kind of pull me back because uh, I get really interested in the mechanic as a mechanic, right? So I'm like, oh, we could do all yeah. these things and we could unify damage and degree of success. And like, all we have to do is tear all the entire system down and build it up from first. Or we could not do that. <laughs> but... but uh, but there are a couple of things in there that I've done that I'm kind of proud of. And one of those is um, in the new fantasy age, we have a little more of a narrative approach to defeat. So interesting. Basically, we've, we've added conditions to the game, though we've tried to keep them to a minimum because conditions can kind of multiply and become confusing if you if you lean into that too much. But one of the opportunities that created is that well, what does it actually mean if you're dying? Well, that's kind of a condition, isn't it? Right. Yeah, well, yeah. can't we have conditions other than dying for when you're down at zero health? Right. Yeah. So uh, we have other conditions. We have basically a tree of three uh, defeat conditions that happen oh. when you get dropped. And those are dying, unconscious, and helpless. Right. Unconscious is pretty self explanatory. Yeah. Helpless is just you are beaten down. And that is used for people who are just you know, out wrestled or uh, exhaust or you exhaust them or whatever. Nice. Right. This is what this is. This is the that's the condition you use when you want to slap the cuffs on someone. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So that provides so many more opportunities um, for, you know, yield your in prison scenario. Right. Or people who don't want to, like, kill their enemies uh, yeah. or enemies who don't want to kill you. Right. Mm. And uh, and it leans into a little more of the abstractions that we can take advantage of when we systematize things like how tough you are. Um, we have an option to use fortune from the expanse. That's mm-hmm. in there. it's not it's not core to the game, but you can mm-hmm. use it if you want. Um, mm-hmm. The same with uh, if you've if people are familiar with the churn. That is the more you succeed, the tougher things get oh. meta mechanic in the expanse. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We have a version. Uh, we have uh, a similar narrative control mechanic in the Modern Age Companion, right? Um, and so that has uh, been added as a system called Peril. Mm-hmm. Nice. Not, 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 not to make fun of this. The other way around. A lot of what you're describing. I mean, and I think this is one of the reasons why we've become rather taken with modern age and just the age mechanic in general. But a lot of what you're describing, Malcolm, honestly, better simulates real life in a game, like the notion like churn, right? I'm sorry, but as, as the more successful you get, the harder things become. I mean, you're and, and getting beaten down, but still being able to walk away. I mean, you're describing real life 
a better well, replication. Well, it's just it's you know I I I avoid thinking in terms of reality because <laughs> reality, especially just when gonna say that. <laughs> when it comes, especially when it crosses over with violence, is so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have I actually have another kind of job, and in that job, uh, I teach historical fencing. Right, I teach people how to fight with long swords and rapiers. And I teach people how to wrestle the way they did in the late Middle Ages um, and fight with knives and daggers and all of those things, right? And uh, we have blunted steel weapons and we whack each other at high speeds, right? And one of the most for one of the most common things that happens, for example, is that you kill each other, right? Because yeah. each of you each of you sees the other person preparing. And you just, <laughs> right? And it happens a whole lot, right? So you have so many weird things and accidents happen that in some ways, RPG systems are kind of reassuring because they make violence make more sense than it actually does, right? Um, you know, it removes mm. some of the absurd elements and prolong some aspects because of course you know um nobody has enough hit points to resist being chopped in the side with a sword ever right uh you know and and you know it it's it creates all these affordances but at the same time traditionally role-playing game mechanics you know and this is certainly by no means true anymore but the roots of rpg mechanics were in wargaming Mm-hmm. Um, and it abstracted what happens to a unit down to an individual and things were but things were still thought about in terms of hits which is abstractly what weapons are doing right and not so concerned with what happens to the soldier right because mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. in old war games you might say oh if you really want to know this percentage flee the field and this percentage are dead right yeah but once we render things down to an individual we need finer grained results and mm-hmm. uh, to represent that reality and also to represent the psychological reality of violence because mm-hmm. that's something that especially comes up i kind of wish i'd done this in modern age really first because you know you just can't go shooting people all the time right or cutting them or anything. it's it's bad for you certainly it's bad <laughs> for them uh <laughs> <laughs> and people notice. And I think one of the yeah. things is that often we also have the illusion that things that happen in fantasy games to get back to fantasy age happen outside of a social context because we have a loose sense of the fantasy world, which is a wilderness with the odd right. town. Right. Um, and there are monsters and, you know, uh, basically, and video games teach us, you know, you can kill whoever you want unless you're you're zoned into the town and then you meet invincible guards or something. Right. Right. So we want to do better than that because the opportunity that tabletop role play games give us is that we have the intelligent narrative control of a human being mm-hmm. who can think of things other than, you know, uh, killing to solve problems. So, right. you know, so we want the mechanics to reflect those opportunities. And certainly we are far from the first game to do this but it is a nice thing to add to something that is definitely in the the traditional fantasy adventure uh format right yeah. because you know if you look at the leaders like it's not so prevalent in say D and pathfinder mm-hmm. right so yeah. and certainly you know we are in that trad fantasy tradition so we want to we want to add something to it that's what i'm gonna say i don't and and again never never any disrespect to other games i think that's where you know a game like blue rose for example you kind of whether you want to use the term cutting edge or not you've you're continuing to find these areas to improve that let's say it's it's not reality but for jason and i who love the idea of a mechanic that can bring especially when we're talking like in a, like a moon base environment a little bit into um, it yeah. A little, a little bit yeah. into it that that gives a kind of a. Re- some people like the real life feel. Some people like that total fantasy feel. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. giving them, you're giving them the option to go into power. Yeah, 
So you're reminding me of kind of for all mankind. I've been binging that. I got uh no. I got three free months of uh of Apple TV when I bought this oh. I bought this giant monster television. Um, <laughs> and it is one of like one of the things that is constantly coming up is that yeah. like you can't have stupid fights because everybody is in danger all the time because right. they're on the moon right. or they're on Mars, mm -hmm. right? Or they're in space, mm -hmm. right? And it is one thing that, you know, heading back to Star Trek, I always appreciated about Star Trek The Next Generation yeah. is that people aren't yelling at each other and pushing each other around for drama, right? They're essentially right. professionals who know that they live inside an extremely complex machine. And if they don't get their act together, everybody's going to die. So, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so you don't do that, right? You behave right. professionally toward one another. And when you have these conflicts, right, you have to have things other than lethality. And of yeah. course, that brings us to what Blue Rose has to give the age system, which is relationship bonds, which, you know, I have made so much use of relationships and abstracted into other types of bonds in my designs for age. Certainly, um, Trojan War does that, right, where you have bonds related to how much a, a god likes you. Mm -hmm. um, and Cthulhu Awakens, uh, that's how we do... Um, that's how we do the psychic effects of the mythos on you. You gain a bond, oh, right? Interesting. Okay. And that bond can be spent to, you know, you can spend points from that bond to do things like, well, this thing notices that, uh, you know, since you, since your mind has been broken by Haster and it's a minion of Haster, it's not going to bother you because now it thinks you're on the same team. Right. Interesting. Um, Oh, but on the other hand, sometimes uh, those points can also bond points can also be used against you, right? Um, where you know you might have a a break with reality, right? And uh, in that way, and in that case, the GM spends the bond point. Yeah, right. And that's how we do alienation, which is our um, you know psychic erosion system in the game. What's the just out of curiosity? Because I haven't, I haven't look for a while i've been jammed up what's the kind of the eta when do you think uh awakens is going to kind of come out for general sale for those that maybe went back in um we're running a little late uh so i can't tell you right now for okay. the, for two reasons the first reason is that we are still doing some art approvals um nice. because cthulhu awakens has so much art uh, nice. And one of the things, too, is we wanted it not to look like too much like other Mythos games. right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. for example, we have a very distinct appearance that we give the big the big C itself um, compared to other games. Mm -hmm. uh, and that hasn't been unveiled yet. And, but that involves, you know, lots of back and forth with other artists. And the other reason yeah. is that. Is that Fantasy Age is getting so close now yeah okay mm -hmm. that we kind of have to, to get it but um we are looking at ways to for backers we are oh, that's good looking looking at ways to sort of give them an extra little thanks for their patience right um but i can't i would say definitely second half of the year everybody mm -hmm. will be able to get it I can't wait for us to publish the second half of this interview just based off of how much <laughs> yeah. we we got with how much Malcolm was able to share and talk about um, Age Mechanic and Fantasy Age 2 and us getting into talking about our um, game that, you know, not our game, that's the wrong word, our campaign we're developing. Let's, let's um, be honest, hold on. You keep using the term campaign. I, I don't think, know what else to call it. How about our? I, I think I, honestly, how about our adventure, which okay. which may be comprised of one or more sessions. Okay, there we go. We'll call it the adventure. <laughs> A campaign, I think, is overselling what yeah. what we might be after. I mean, we want to yeah. play a campaign, but it hasn't happened before. Well, well and and it's going to be in space, and the working title is "Journey to the Center of Uranus." There it is, folks. There it is. Um, yes. Uh, the un I unknown. I wanted to see your reaction. The, 
the you unknown didn't hit stop. book. You didn't hit stop no. and make us record it. So the the unknown um, book from, from Jules Verne, right? He started with the moon, <laughs> and then just kept going inward. All right, but um, <laughs> let's go. Um, I am, I am excited to see, um, second edition of Fantasy Age two come out. Yeah, and why I say, I say that for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know. We don't have, neither. None of us have anything negative to say about anything that's been going on in the RPG world related to the open the open licensing issues and all of that. But I think that Fantasy Age Two has real potential to be a solid high fantasy adventure mm-hmm. RPG that could you can put up against. Um, yeah, as an alternative to the D&D. other. Yeah. Yeah, as an alternative yeah. in the market, whether if you don't want to necessarily go down the D and D or the Pathfinder path, right? Um, right. I really think that Fantasy Age, Fantasy Age First Edition, I think Second mm-hmm. Edition is going to even be is it even going to be better and potentially, um, you know, in a, doing something that we thought that we've talked about, and that is, is this could open up all this discussion and everything could have a positive effect and just open up all sorts of new opportunities for gaming companies all over. And it'll even help mm. potentially bring in other new people into gaming. That That's right. Benefit even those that like D and D and Pathfinder, which are the, you know, let's be honest, D and D is the, is the, the big name on the market. And, and I mean, we're going to continue playing D and D, right? I, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this, earlier this evening, I texted you. I and, don't uh, have this library. I don't but, have this library of books just to look at. Don't so. you? No, well, I do, but I okay. but, but I intend but on gaming still, them. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. I texted I texted you and our friend Dr. Aaron Peterson from uh you know previous episodes about hey yes. I, we need to start because he's never he's never played, he's never role played. Mm-hmm. So it's it's time to correct that oversight, and <clears throat> we're gonna start him out on D and D because, like you said, because it's it's the biggest one, and though I mean. I do have some second thoughts about that, to be honest. So I know maybe we'll revisit that. But either way, we'll probably start them out on D and D. But that doesn't that that's independent of of what you're saying. That Fantasy Age and, and the second edition of Fantasy Age could be really will be really compelling uh, options for you know you want to do something high fantasy, but you don't necessarily want to play D and D, or you want to do something like that but you don't necessarily want to use a d20 right different different dice mechanics hit the sweet spots for different purposes and different people yeah and and the the other thing that i think you know um, all of them were this way but as you go through and look at and i have going back to true 20 i have the true 20 materials i have um the materials for dragon age um, that's when I found out about Fantasy Age. Yeah, um, yeah. Malcolm, I believe, introduced us. I don't think I had jumped on the. I didn't know about Modern Age before we met him the first time. Maybe I did. No, I think that's. Um, I think that's right because I remember how into that you got and quickly. Yeah, I just and and just looking through, um, you know, the basic rule book as Fantasy Age and the Quick Start guides, and that's and we really used the Quick Start more than anything to get started. And I think I said this, um, the quick start guide allowed us to skip right over session zero, something Malcolm isn't a big fan of. I, that heard. was really, and that, that really, yeah, that made me think. Yeah. You know, but we didn't have to really do a session zero. We did, I think, kind of. Like we we did because, nine. yeah, because, but, but our session zero was an hour over Zoom and we yeah. were taking our time and talking about it. Oh yeah, we were talking about. Uh, it was more. It wasn't. It wasn't so much an educational component. It was more of us um, deciding on, you know, character names, character types. Yep. Yeah. What did we want to yeah. play? It was all so character development. I, I, it wasn't I, I, mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, I would argue and say we probably only spent about thirty minutes doing. Yeah, crap. I think that's right. I think that's right. I and think, yeah, 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 and no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what stood out to just, me. No, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna hold my hands no, up. No, you go okay. Ahead. Um. Uh. 
no, I think because we brought this up with Malcolm and, and it was it was helpful hearing his feedback that we went, as we said in the interview, we went gritty in terms of this, the, the, the approach, right? Uh, uh, not pulpy, not cinematic. And, and I, I thought about that for a while after we played. And, you know, his recommendation, aim for pulpy. Pulpy tends mm-hmm. to be a sweet spot for a lot of games. I, I mean, don't yeah. you think that's how we're going to go with session two? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I still find the idea of having the option to take one of those three paths, just as it being part yeah, of the it's rules. Interesting. I mm-hmm. just, that is interesting and unique to me. Now, mm-hmm. granted, we don't have the breadth of knowledge of all games out there that some no. have, yeah. but amongst our cadre yeah. of games that we've played or read about, yeah. Yeah. Um, this, I just, I think it's fascinating for us to have a discussion. Well, if it's gritty one shot, you're likely dead. If it's cinematic, it's like the stormtroopers pew pew, nobody gets hit ever. Or right. do you have something Books in the middle? droids? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and it makes sense because you know, as as Malcolm said, mo- uh, modern age. Uh, well, modern age, the system, but modern age was developed as a generic core rule book. Right. And so and 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 modern age as a sorry, the age mechanic has been used across Green Ronin's games. And so you you have to have everything from Call of Cthulhu up to Pew Pew. Well, no, no, not Call of Cthulhu. Oh, sorry. Cthulhu Awakens. Cthulhu Awakens. Sorry. You can tell I've never played. You 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 have you have everything from Cthulhu to Pew Pew. Right. And and those different genres call for you know more or less approximation of real life when being accosted but that was the other thing that malcolm said about how it how he doesn't want to design games where people are simply in combat because it's so far from real life that that was a real surprise to me from you know a game developer like him well, I think you can see it in the DNA. You can especially see it in the DNA with modern age. Just, yeah. just by the very fact that the system really fits, and, and I'm talking a little cryptically here, it fits kind of the adventure genre that we are looking to build, which is right. not right. space battles and so on. Or right. even looking looking at the Expanse. Um, yep. Not everything in Expanse, and you and I have become a fan of um, talking about this, um, you know, a lot of people like pew pew games. I get it. That's cool. Me too. But yeah. but there's also a narrative and a story building component that right. even going back to you and I playing one on one with D and D, I went overboard with. We had a we had a you, had a you heard it here pew. first. It's taken you almost know? two years, but you heard it here first. Yeah. At there, times no, no, no. I've life. always said that there was a <laughs> it, I've always said that that I took a real cerebral approach. And at the expense, without really thinking about it, of combat. And what we're talking about in building our adventure and all that within the modern age is you don't necessarily have to have combat to have a really great adventure. Um, The other thing I I found fascinating is, you know, Malcolm was talking about sitting down with the dev teams and, you know, someone was asking about whether they've seen this and he's like, Oh, go look at the, go look at the fantasy age book. I know that's something they have such a plethora and an encyclopedia. I don't even know if encyclopedia is the term, a library, full on library of material that they can leverage. They can leverage from it. It's like a huge canon now. And what's so impressive is it's, it's partially agnostic to genre so they can they you know they can dip in and out across right across dragon age fantasy age modern age the expanse where where they are there are important differences but they're not core differences Uh, that that's just slick yeah it's i'm really really excited about what we talked about um for this episode it's going to get even it's going to get really cool in the next episode lots of cool stuff to talk about yeah um and um i you know i'm 
I'm, I'm ready to, even with all the job changes and stuff I'm going through, I'm ready to plop down some cash when those books come out. So when fantasy, I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I I appreciate how you're whispering into the microphone. That wasn't whispering. That was talking softly. Yes. That that was your, but I I appreciate how you're doing that as this then goes out literally to the world. (laughs) But it's okay. Your wife. Is but not let's be honest. Hurt. But no, no, no. Let's let's be honest. If she didn't hear it right at this very moment, then you're fine. She's never going to hear it. That's right. And she's, she's never going to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 So, but I think I, you know, as a side. Yep. Um, related to this, and just it rem, it remind this was something that popped in my head because we talked about it. Um, with us having kids, um, yeah. I've already told my kids that. This material, this podcast is as much for you and I to have fun mm-hmm. as it is out there for people who are interested in listening to it. And it is selfishly self-serving for us to be able to talk to people who have built these games like Malcolm. Oh, yeah. And we're, who was part of a team and who, Absolutely. you know. And so, so for me, I am, I get, I get excited, like holiday Christmas morning excited when we get to talk to someone yeah. who has been a writer in a book that I have read and used. And that goes even yeah. to the novelists and the writers that oh. we've read otherwise. Yeah, so, without question. You know, Strongly agree. Yeah. Yeah. And and for our kids, you know, someday when um, you know, potentially I'm gone, we're gone yeah. years and years from now. They'll have the say, chance hey, to not listen know to how, these want, as well. Yeah. yeah. If you want to know how nerdy your grandpa is all you got to do is listen to this podcast. You'll be able to hear it and see that was when they actually used to play games and they use these things called pencils. Yeah. I, I wonder if two generations from now, the term hard pass will still be in use. (laughs) Oh, definitely. (laughs) It actually will probably be abbreviated some form. Like Klingon will be H. H HP. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) So as we move over to the GM corner, um, I'm going to stop saying what's on our desk because a lot of times we talk about stuff that isn't even on our desk. So Mm -hmm. um, what have you been watching or working on over the past two weeks? I mean, there's a lot going on, but the one that comes to mind, and I think is especially relevant given the the interview, um, I have started reading uh, Jemison's The Fifth Season. Uh, I've only had it for a day or two, uh, about a day as we record this, um, and I'm I'm only about to start the second of the 23 chapters, but that's how books start. You got to start at the beginning. Um, I just, I, I continue to be amazed every time they talk about the stillness of how reminiscent <laughs> it is of your vastness from our D&D uh, adventure, campaign in that regard. So not really, but sort of. Um, just your world building and... Uh, I am, again, I've just begun reading the book. It's it's well written. It's written very differently than most of what I read. I mean, our, our listeners probably know this already, but uh, I tend to read primarily nonfiction. When I do read fiction, it is overwhelmingly science fiction. Uh, I decided to read the fifth season well, honestly, because Green Ronin has just been pushing out the upcoming game so much. Uh, between that and the connection with with your world building, Brad, it's like, okay, you know what? I have to try this. I have to read this, and I recognize that it is. It kind of dances at the at the. It, it's kind of like sci fantasy, if you will. I, I get that from what I've read about it. Um, but it's it's very interesting, and I'll just I'll just close this by saying. The more I am slowly learning about the stillness, the more I'm impressed with your vastness. No, no jokes intended, right? Just your world building. Um, it's. I'm curious to see where this goes. It's. It is again. It's. It's written 
it's written very differently than uh, than I'm used to. But you know, I mean, Jemison won a Hugo for each of the books in the trilogy. Uh, I, I yeah. mean, wow, wow. So, so that's what's on my desk, as it were. How about you? Well, before we do that, I gotta ask because you bring up, and this is this isn't a joke. I'm just I'm literally thinking back. I don't know every book you've read, but I don't remember us talking about a fiction book that you've read that isn't sci fantasy in some form or another. I'm I'm trying to think of what other fiction you might have that read. isn't science that that wasn't science fiction or fantasy. Yeah, um, there are. I'm just looking Let's, at Lord I of mean, the Rings. We read a while back. That was that that's was fantasy. fantasy. That's high fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking over here. I've I've got I've got um I've got I'm the just whole, um no because I've got a few. I've read a few by Garrison Keillor on like Wobegon. I've read the entire uh, uh, Rabbi Sachs series, courtesy of my dad, who gave me his copies um, or long term lent them. Um, uh, there are okay. There it's are, just something we haven't no. There, there are very. We get so few. into, yeah, yeah. There we are, get so into yeah. talking about sci-fi fantasy, and then you and I have, yeah, um, all of our lots other, of other discussions. Yeah. Nope, that just we don't big, talk about on here, but I because my problem is so like you know how a lot of fiction is about like stories about how people develop. Mm -hmm. I don't care, so that just doesn't <laughs> that just doesn't hold me um is that is that because of your educational background or you know you, you hoped know, out given i'm a licensed psychologist but that probably should have been well that's what i'm it. saying is yeah this, that i'm saying been is, a, is, is i i yeah. don't i just, I just, it say, just because you are you are a clinician i can't imagine fictional human development isn't isn't something that's your shtick uh, it's not um oh i will oh see nope that's fantasy i was going to recommend terry pratchett so no um uh it just it just has never even as a kid, uh, it's just fiction, and, and and I'm I have nothing but respect for fiction and fiction writers. That's the typical author, but it just never mm -hmm. it it rarely holds me. So, well, so your no. taste your taste isn't isn't has is no indictment of any individual writer itself. It's just personal preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and the same thing with me. If I look at my shelves now, I do read a lot of biographies. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of a if I'm not reading fiction. Um, that's one of the genres. Um, I don't read as much nonfiction as you do. Um, it goes in spurts. I, there are certain fear themes, yeah. economics, yeah. Yep. leadership, um, process building and, and time management. Those are nonfiction subject areas that I'm interested in. Um, for me on my yeah. desk, um, you know, I am, as we've talked about offline, um, the written word is going to be increasingly important for us yep. and the preparation for launch of that um, has taken up a chunk of my time. So, and I am, because I'm in, I'm in between professions right now in terms of positions, I have a lot more time and a lot less stress yeah. than I've had before. So I've had to try to focus um, and not put too much on my plate. Yeah. Good. So, I'm not doing a lot of reading right now yep. of fiction or nonfiction. I have two books that I need to read um, that we've talked about in the past, you know, um, you know, Star Wars and Conflict Resolution yep. and yep. Um, another one that I just haven't gotten to. Yeah. But I did get um, recently um, the I, I the latest um, one of the latest doc books on the expanse rpg yes that's right um, and and i've i've kind of been putzing around with that a little bit but honestly you know between the stuff we're prepping for um our written word launch and mm -hmm. i've been doing a lot of I don't want to say music therapy because that's that's actually a profession i know people are in i'm using music as therapy to relax. yeah which is wonderful yeah yeah so between those two things and the podcast and the little bits that we're doing here and there with some gaming and things like that um that's it and i am looking forward to um having dr peterson join us 
for uh, some gaming. Hopefully yep. sooner rather than later. Hopefully sooner. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be GMing that if I recall. I'm going to so GM it, and I you know am, we probably will stay D and D, but yeah, yeah, I'll GM that. Yeah. So you well, you I'm, actually I'm you could fully intent to... on. I'm fully intent on being a bard for this. Oh, it's um, gonna be so good. That's gonna so, be so much and fun. And I'm fully in. I'm. I am. I am absolutely prepared to to take the brunt of revenge of the revenge on your part for what I've put your characters through. So I have created a list of one liners. Oh no. Um that the bard can use um that we can't necessarily record on a podcast. But if Fair you enough. can think of Scanlan I I, I and, am I am uh, Legend of Ox Machina yeah. that's kind of in the same vein minus some of the gratuitous um adult themes that sometimes occur in the episode. right right so. he's you're just gonna you're just gonna randomly yell bradley's hand while we're playing <laughs> I, love, I love that and show. poor aaron is not going oh. to have any idea i actually i recommended he watch it as and i mean this i recommended he yeah. watch the legend of vox machina as prep to acquaint himself yeah. um but yeah that's Oh, it's such a good show. Before we go, um, my son and I watched last weekend. We went to the to the we went to a Friday night showing of Ant Man and the Lost Quantum. Yeah, we saw it too. Yeah. And and as and you probably saw this as one of the previews, they had Dungeons and Dragons the movie. It's really looking good. I'm really I am, curious. You know, my son. You know. I was anxious to see what his reaction was going to be once it said once they said it was Dungeons and Dragons because Chris Pines in it. And, yep. Um, and he actually said to me that he'd go watch it. And nice. I'm very lucky. My 19 year old nice. son is a is a fantasy hound. He goes to movies with me like this. Yep. He said he would go because my wife sure is sure is my name is Brad will not. Yep. Um, nope. But I am I am excited to see that movie. I really um, am. I, I, I might be yeah. opt unrealistically optimistic, but the, the clips they're showing it, you, they've got the classic, the classic D and D party where everyone's yeah. playing their roles really well, really tradition. Man, does that look funny? Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. What an excellent place to close. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us for yet another episode. Uh, stay tuned next episode. We will have Malcolm Shepard back, and we're going to get into a topic that has been uh, a point of discussion for Brad and me for, man, the past month or more. Um, we're really glad to have someone like Malcolm walk us through and kind of explore the, the thought space around it. So you know the deal. Be well. Stay well. We will see you in a couple of weeks.